Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include Dynamic Sky Panorama Glass Roof, Front Row Massaging Seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the Multi-Terrain Select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I cover all things food, from cooking to gardening to fabulous ingredients to junk food, health, sustainability, even policy. You might say I'm obsessed with everything about food. Food is the one substance that connects everything to everything else. And it connects us all. Not only can we not live without it, not only does it determine much of what goes on in the world, but we love it. Hi, it's Mark Bittman, and welcome to Food. We have an interesting show for you today, an interesting guest, and an interesting host. So stay tuned for that. As always, if you have questions, comments, answers, whatever for us, call us at 1-833-FOODPOD. That's 833-366-3763. Or email us, bitmanpod at gmail.com. Our first recipe today is Sutton Foster's, well, really her. Aunt Mary Ann's recipe for fudgy bonbons shared in Sutton's book, Hooked. 
Her aunt, Marianne, won the Pillsbury Bake Off contest in 1994, a big deal, when the grand prize was $50,000 and a full kitchen. Two years later, the prize money jumped to a million dollars. Oh, well. Anyway, here's the recipe for Aunt Marianne's fudgy bonbons. Not my style exactly, but an award winner nevertheless. Okay, I'm going to read this recipe because I honestly haven't made it. And it will be on our website, bitmanproject.com. Two cups semi-sweet chocolate chips, quarter cup butter, one can, that's 14 ounces of sweetened condensed milk, a miracle ingredient, two cups of all-purpose flour, unbleached, half a cup of finely chopped nuts, I'd opt for walnuts here, one teaspoon vanilla, 60 Hershey's Kisses or the equivalent in other milk chocolate candy, a two-ounce bar of white chocolate, and one tablespoon of vegetable oil. Heat the oven to 350 degrees and melt together in a medium saucepan the chocolate chips and the butter over very low heat, stirring until the chips are melted and smooth. Add the condensed milk and mix well. In a large bowl, combine the flour, the nuts, the chocolate mixture, cool that a bit first, and the vanilla, mix that well. That will be doughy, so shape about a tablespoon of dough around each piece of candy, around each Hershey's Kiss, covering it completely. Place them an inch apart on ungreased cookie sheets. Bake at 350 degrees for six to eight minutes. Do not overbake, capital letters. Cookies will be soft and appear shiny, but will become firm as they cool. Remove from cookie sheets. Cool 15 minutes or until completely cooled. Meanwhile, in a small saucepan, combine the white chocolate baking bar and the vegetable oil. Cook and stir over low heat until melted and smooth. Drizzle that over the cooled cookies and let stand until set. Store in a tightly covered container. I would imagine these get eaten very quickly. I would love to hear how those are. Thank you very much. This is something that most people can say, but I had a complicated childhood. My father was a uh, World War II veteran, and one would have said he had PTSD if there had been such a thing as PTSD in the 50s. And my mother just passed away. An interesting and in many ways wonderful woman, but a difficult one. Anyway, we all have these kinds of stories. I'm not going to go into it. There were many difficult moments, but there was lots of joy also, and many gifts from my parents, who were interested in a lot of things. And according to my friends and friends of theirs, were very modern 60s people when the 60s arrived. I never saw that, of course, because I was their son. Anyway, they were huge Broadway fans. I grew up in Manhattan, and we went to shows on the spur of the moment. There were tiny little ticket booths all over Times Square, and my father would go negotiate with the guy behind the window. And gee, I don't know, we saw My Fair Lady with, I saw My Fair Lady with Rex Harrison and Julie Andrews. I saw Camelot with Robert Goulet and whoever else was in it. Anyway, I saw a lot of original Broadway shows. It was really cool. I passed that love of Broadway on to my kids happily. And that brings us to today's show. Our guest today is one of the best-known names on Broadway today. And thanks to her endearing role in the TV show Younger is now well-known outside of Broadway, too. That's Sutton Foster, and she's here, and we've come full circle. She's chatting with my daughter, Kate, about complicated childhoods and Broadway, and her new book, Hooked, How Crafting Saved My Life. So here are Kate and Sutton. 
I'm so sorry, but I am a huge fan. I feel like I'm an OG fan though, because I saw Anything Goes. And then I obviously watched Younger and my friend Carly and I just got tickets for Music Man. Awesome. I mean, I love Hugh Jackman too. I just saw Greatest Showman for the first time. He's just, who doesn't like him? He's so likable. He's so incredibly likable. And then when you meet him, you're like, damn it. He's everything you want him to be. You know, he's a true team player and he just wants to like do good work. And yeah, he's incredible. I bet the two of you are a really good team. I hope so. I loved your book. Thank you. I thought it was really candid and brave and it gives incredible insight into who you are as a person. I guess my question is, was it as therapeutic for you to write as it seems? It was very much so. It was very cathartic. It was sort of like diving back into therapy and certain things were harder than others. Yeah, it was incredibly therapeutic. I mean, I had I had such a complicated relationship with my mom. And the book really, I mean, it's about it's about crafting, but it really is, you know, so much about my relationship with my mother and how that shaped who I am, but also how that evolved through the years. But I think the biggest thing that for me that came from writing the book was that I I, I sort of recognized my mom's strengths more. When so much of my life, I focused on her weaknesses and what she wasn't capable of doing. But in writing the book, I realized, you know, she sacrificed so much for her kids, even though she was a very troubled, deeply troubled, undiagnosed, most likely mental illness. But I would never be doing what I do if it weren't for her pushing me and guiding me and fighting for me to have a different life than she thought was possible for her. And I also, I guess, in writing the book too, recognized and came to have a better understanding of what pain she was in. I don't know if I really had realized that before. I was so focused on being disappointed by her, I guess, that I didn't really recognize how much pain she was in emotionally and how much she struggled. So that that was incredibly therapeutic. And it was also therapeutic too, I guess, to share this story and this part of myself, which was something that I hadn't really shared with the world. And, and in a way, it was sort of freeing for our entire family. I think for so much of our lives, we've been sort of protecting my mom and um, sort of protecting that part of our lives and and sort of tiptoeing around it and walking on eggshells and feeling like we couldn't talk about it for some reason. And so to be able to, to talk about it, I feel like with perspective and grace and space, but not some, you know, it isn't this like tell all of, of, you know, dragging my mom through the mud on, on the contrary. So I think that was very, hopefully very healing for my entire family. It didn't feel like a tell all at all. It felt very honest and it felt almost like an ode to her. I mean, I think as a mom, it's so easy to feel a little bit lost and like you don't quite know your place in the world anymore because there's a lot of pressure to be a mom, quote, and you're kind of like, but what about me? Yeah. And that was like my biggest fear. Well, not my biggest fear, but one of my biggest fears when I was pregnant, I was just so worried that I would not be Kate anymore and I would be a mom, but there's room for both. And so I had a lot of sympathy for your mom's struggles there. In many ways, her entire identity was wrapped up in her children. You know, she really felt like, you know, she, she lived her unrealized dreams through us. I think when things really became even more difficult for her was when we both moved away. Because I think she didn't even know, like, who she was anymore. So that was when things really kind of escalated. And then she was desperately trying to hold on to it. Right. That was when the agoraphobia sort of took hold. That makes sense. Yeah. You guys were sort of her saviors. 
But I mean, I think you were until the very end. It sounds like she was so proud of you. I mean, it was kind of crazy to read about how she, for lack of a better word, sort of pushed you into theater. And in so many other stories that you would read, the child would have regrets about that. But you just, you and your brother succeeded so much and love it so much that it actually was the right thing. I know, so weird. Yeah, it's sort of like an interesting twist on things. It's just like, it's not the norm, especially with children, so. It was fascinating because I, I think even in my early 20s and stuff, I was like, am I living my dream or my mom's dream? Like, I was like, I'm moving forward and, you know, working and succeeding, but I was like, is this what I want? You know, and, and my, my mom was the one that was like, that recognized it in me and really pushed it. I know. And so often it's not the case at all, you know, but yeah. And then I finally sort of, I think in my later twenties, I finally realized, oh no, I think this is what I want to do. (laughs) So your book is all about basically how hobbies and art projects and crafting can be super therapeutic, which I am 100% in agreement with, but I am way less busy than you. And I still cannot find the time to like just sit down and do it. How do you, do you have like a method for your time for just getting in there and doing it? <laughs> well, it's tricky. I mean, we're moms, right? And so that adds an element to it. But in here I have uh, several little projects and I rotate from different ones. I do it a lot in the car because we live outside the city. So when we drive into the city or if I'm on the train, if I'm on during a show, I'll, I'll crochet between scenes I'll crochet at night on the couch watching something like, you know, I have like a little crochet light, you know, so often with crochet, I'm doing it while something else is either while I'm waiting for something or sometimes I don't make the like specific time for it. Although my daughter's in school now, your, your son's in kindergarten, you said, right. Mm -hmm. But I'm about to start rehearsals for music man. You just sort of like the traveling hobbies help, you know, something that you can carry with you. I mean, obviously you love to read. So that's, that's a hobby as well. Reading is a hobby. That's something that you do and, and make time for the like crafty hobbies. Yeah. I, I try to do stuff with Emily as well. I mean, some of the more complicated ones are harder, but, but like, I would love to collage with her. Like, I think she could help me with that. Like we could, I could cut out the strips. We could create something together. And even the drawing I can travel with. I guess most of the things I do are, are traveling hobbies, except for the collaging. So you're telling me I have to leave the city? No. <laughs> I did a lot of stuff in the city too. It's just a matter of like, I know. Find the time. And you know what? Think about too, for me, it's like, we're so addicted to our phones, right? And we spend so much time staring at our screens. And instead of like scrolling on Instagram, make a scarf. I mean, I'm over it. I've actually been a lot less screen oriented lately. I just, I get into bed before 10 every night and just like read. Right now I'm just reading crime thrillers. Like, Oh, perfect. Over and over. I mean, I read your book, which was amazing. And it was like kind of a nice non-crime thriller choice. I hope so. I love a good memoir, but no, I'm just really into like the worst kind of crime, like most terrifying kind of crime thrillers, like in bed, 945. So no screens. Perfect. I know. I just, I was doing that on set a lot. I would be like in between scenes and I would be like on my phone and I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? But I also love to play like puzzles and stuff. So I do like crossword puzzles and things, but I was like, mm, and then I thought, I'm going to bring my crochet to work. And then next thing you know, to be honest, if we weren't on Zoom right now, I would probably be talking to you with headphones and crocheting at the same time. Oh, I love that. You can crochet while we talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be like this. I would love it. <laughs> I'd be like, I saw it in action. <laughs> so are you going to teach Hugh Jackman how to crochet? 
It probably should, right? I think so. (laughs) I bet he would really like it, you know? He could make like a crochet Wolverine costume and... Oh my gosh. You know what What kills me is that every year during Halloween, there are these like people send me on, you know, Instagram or they'll send me pictures of like the badass like crocheters out there who like crocheted their kids an alien costume. And it's so unbelievable. And so, yeah, so maybe we should make, I could make him some like Wolverine claws or something. Oh, I think that's such a good idea. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, hey, here's my child's bagged Halloween costume. Do you like it? (laughs) Oh, me too. I I, I was like, it's arriving in the mail any day. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more food in just a minute. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. 
Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. Aquatrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any Aquatrue purifier. Just go to Aquatrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any Aquatrue water purifier, go to Aquatrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out. I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Can I read a bit from your book? Laughter and dancing in the kitchen and fabulous food were foreign concepts to me. I grew up in a household that had liter bottles of Pepsi in the pantry next to boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts and bags of Doritos. We were a fast food family, mainly because my mother was a terrible cook, but she was a stay-at-home mom with a husband who traveled for work as a car salesman, so meal preparation fell to her, and she hated it. My mother had bigger dreams than being a stay-at-home mom. Her apathy showed up at the table in the form of soggy fried chicken and pasta with a tomato sauce that I swear was heated up ketchup with a dash of black pepper. So... I'm done reading. As we talked about, your mom has sort of a hard time embracing her place in the world. And again, I have so much sympathy for that because being a parent is like a special challenge all of its own. But when you had Emily, who you adopted, and I absolutely just, I love that story so much. You were in a really good place. You're in a loving relationship. You're super successful. Cooking for a child can be super exhausting. My son is, I, I hate to use this word, but he's, I mean, he's particular, let's not say picky, but how do you think the way that you ate growing up affected the way that you feed Emily and the way that you and your husband cook for her? It's so hard because there is this reality that I am, I am a working mom. So I would love to say that I sit, we all sit down and have family meals together every day, which we don't. But I will say during lockdown, we did one of the silver linings. So during lockdown for what, seven months, I made every meal 
And like, I had sort of that taste of what that would be like, you know, like going to the grocery store, you know, which felt like going into battle, but I actually really enjoyed meal preparation. And I grew up with such a limited sort of exposure to food. And I say in the book, like the most exotic food we had was tacos from the Ortega kit. We didn't have a very worldly view when it came to food. And I think there is something else too that's layered in this. I think my mom had issues with food. She was real thin. I rarely saw her eat. It's not like she was like, oh, food is delicious. And it was, it was more like, I'm going to have toast and iced tea for breakfast. I'm going to eat a tomato sandwich. She wasn't like diving into a steak. She was a very selective, minimal eater. So I wasn't raised with this example of a, of a woman enjoying the fruits of food, you know? So being a mom and I have a daughter and I love to eat. <laughs> like I love Me food. Too. I, love, I love to eat. So it's like, I really want her to be raised in a household where there is a healthy relationship with food. There's no restrictions. There's the variety, you know, not that my daughter's like, I mean, she, she, I think she has a nice palette of, you know, cuisine that she, she enjoys, but I really did enjoy that food sort of preparation, making dinner every night, all sitting down as a family. And while not naturally being a good cook myself, I do think I've sort of evolved into a better cook and especially over the pandemic, uh, during lockdown, I felt like I really got better and I found all these recipes that I loved. My family would request and, you know, I felt really, I took great pride in that and real pride in being able to provide good food for her. That felt really nice. Now it's different because the world has reopened and we definitely try to have on the nights when I can, we try to have family where we all eat together, you know, it's like we really strive for that family sit down, we all eat. But I feel like a New York City kid or New York City family, it's so go, 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 and so on the go. And often it's like, here's a smoothie, have this in the car seat while we're heading to this place. Or, you know, my daughter loves to help me cook. Like she loves to help, which I think is extraordinary. So we cook a lot together and we bake a lot together and we do a lot of things in the kitchen together. And that, I never really did that with my mom. I mean, we would make cookies, but I never really like helped her make dinner. I was never really part of that process because I don't think she really enjoyed it. So I really enjoy it. And I enjoy the idea of like sharing it with Emily. Did I answer your question? You did. I went off on like eight tangents, but. I love it. I mean, I would have done the same thing if someone had asked me that question. I think too, like so much of it is about like how we model God. I hate thinking about that because I just can't even imagine what I'm modeling half the time, but like how we model eating for our kids, you know, cause my husband and I pretty much eat everything. So even if Holden, that's my son, even if he's particular now, if he sees that we eat everything that we're eating anchovies and salad and all the things that he thinks are disgusting, he knows we like them. And so maybe one day he'll, he'll realize that that's okay. But I also think you look at your mom and she obviously had some issues around eating and she didn't enjoy cooking and you have a super healthy relationship with food. So it's kind of like hit or miss, right? Like what, what can we do? Like we can only control so much. It's like absolutely exhausting to think about all the things we can't control. So I know I always think I'm like, I've already screwed up my kid a million times already. I'm oh sure. yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like, I keep Googling like, when are their earliest memories? Oh, I know. <laughs> like, Did that process? <laughs> I know. It's terrifying. You know, there's things that we learn and then we keep learning. We keep evolving and we meet people 
who teach us new things. And it, you know, I felt like I learned so in my early twenties on those first jobs. Like I remember on the Greece tour, one of my friends, like I'd never had coffee before. And it was like in the early days of Starbucks. <laughs> You know, yeah. it was like Starbucks was, this was like 95 and I, and someone, and I was like coffee. And I'm like, oh, my dad used to drink like 15 cups of coffee a day. Like that's what I knew about coffee. And like the most exotic food I'd ever had was like the fettuccine Alfredo, Alfredo at TGIFs, you know? So then my friend, Tom Richter, who was on the Greece tour, he like introduced me to coffee and red wine and like took me out to, it was like, try this, try this. And, and next thing I knew, I was like, what? Food has like flavor and it's like delicious. And then I became like excited about, and then you could drink wine with dinner and like, what? Like, I just didn't grow up that way. <laughs> like tour life, like sort of changed it. Right. I just, I love thinking about that. I love like that someone got to introduce you to those things. Like what's better than being that person? I know. But like my daughter, which cracks me up, she's four. She loves sushi. She likes avocado rolls, you know, avocado rolls and shrimp tempura. She like loves, loves that. So we, we order a lot of sushi, but I, I'm like, that's fine. And then we, when we were in London, she tried ramen for the first time and which I was like, cause she likes chicken noodle soup. So we were like, oh, maybe she'll like ramen. And she really liked the ramen and likes the noodles and stuff. And then there's this, this cracks me up this place that the broth was made with bone broth. And so, and it's delicious. And it's like, you know, chick, there's chick, she likes chicken. And so she was eating the, the thing. And there was one night for dinner, I said, what would you like for dinner? And she came over to me, she goes, bone broth. And then walked away and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, okay we've, it's gone too far. <laughs> She's, you know, I don't know. She like loves meat, like ribs and like chicken and steak. So awesome. You know, but then won't eat like, you know, kids are ki- weird. They latch on to certain things. And, and I think you begin to panic because you want like, and you have to keep introducing them to different things and variety. And then they go to school and they see someone else eating something and they go, Oh, well, maybe I'll try that because that kid is doing it. Or I don't, you know, just like us, it's like, you know, we kind of go, we just kind of like gently nudge along bone broth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your husband is like, what have you done? <laughs> so I worked in publishing for 10 years. So the show was so much fun for me and my friends who work in publishing because a lot of it is pretty on point. That's what I heard, which I'm so thrilled. That's what I kept hearing. Yeah. I mean, you guys are a lot better dressed than we were. I was like wearing Gucci shoes with like a Chloe dress and my like, you know, Yves Saint Laurent handbag. And I'm like, what the who, you know? And then they were like, try to like, they're like, what's your belt's from H&M. And they're like, it doesn't, that doesn't work. No, no, absolutely not. But my question is, so you wrote this book and you had to go through the whole publishing process. Was that, was that weird? Did it make you rethink the show at all? Because the show really does get a lot of it right. That's good to know. I mean, I say this in the book, but like the very first time I had gone into a publishing house was when I was pitching this book, which was, you know, maybe during season five or six. And during a lot of the show, it was sort of guessing, you know, and like, and sort of following, you know, thank God that the writing got a lot of it right. But it was interesting because like the book writing publishing experience, I mean, it's still so weird that I'm like holding a book because so much of it too, the process of writing and putting it together, it was so creative and collaborative. I mean, I worked with a writer, I worked with Liz Welch, we collaborated on the book together. So it was this very collaborative, creative process, which is something that's very familiar to me. 
So like that, the essence of that was very familiar as far as the process of what the book had to go through to be published. That was kind of new to me because we don't really go into all of that on the show. It's more about like probably the creative process and then the finished product, but not like the copy edits and the galleys and then the lawyer. That would be pretty brutal. Yeah. Some of that, if- yeah it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's just, it's like the slog as you're sort of getting to the finish line. But it was really interesting. I mean, the creative collaboration between me and Liz and Suzanne felt very much like almost like creating an evening of song or like doing a concert. It was like creating an arc of a, of an experience for an audience, which felt, I mean, it's different obviously, but as far as like the overall picture that felt kind of familiar to me. So I was also like really used to getting feedback and used to sort of starting over and used to kind of like digging back in or, you know, being stuck or whatever, all of those things. It was a two year process to get to the finished product. The bulk of what this version of the book was done during season seven of Younger. That was massive multitasking. Uh, It took me about an hour to get to our studios because they, our studios were in Brooklyn and in New York, it just takes an hour to get to Brooklyn, (laughs) no matter where you are. Yes, it does. (laughs) So I I would have my like computer in the car and I would be like, you know, I would make sure I had everything downloaded and I would be like writing in the car and then. I would be running to the hair and makeup trailer because it was the only place that had Wi-Fi so I could like send copies and stuff. So I was trying so hard to kind of just keep the momentum going. But yeah, the, the bulk of it, how the puzzle came together happened during season seven. So I guess you didn't have much time for crafting. <laughs> I still period. managed. <laughs> I made the sweater that I'm wearing on the cover and I made the sweater in the author photo. I did both of those. I'm a crazy person. Okay, I'm going to ask you this question because we ask everybody, what did you have for dinner last night? Oh, we went to... Bone broth. Bone broth. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally. Every night. I had press all day yesterday because it was pub day yesterday. So, and my daughter had her dance class. She has like a creative movement class on Tuesdays. (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) Naturally. She went to dance class and then they met me. We met at a little, there's like a pizza place, but it also has ribs. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so weird. But it has these like wood-fired ovens there. So we had pizza, ribs, and salad. Does she eat salad? No. Oh, thank God. Okay. I was going to get really annoyed if she eats salad. <laughs> she ate the ribs and the cornbread and I ate the pizza and the salad. But she wouldn't even eat the pizza. So. Thank God. Just okay. ribs. Just ribs and bone broth. And bone broth. Um, Well, I'm not going to keep you any longer because it's been a while and I could talk to you forever because, I mean, there's just something, there's something about you. Like, you're so earnest. Like, I just, please don't ever change. Okay. (laughs) I think you're awesome. Congratulations on the book. I really loved it. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be more crafting and I didn't realize that it was going to be as much of a memoir as it is. And it was such a lovely surprise and just confirmed all of the nice things that I already thought of you. So congratulations. And I hope it sells a bajillion copies. Thank you. Me too. Bye. Bye. In keeping with sweet cookie-like desserts, we're going to do my recipe for coconut macaroons from How to Cook Everything 20th edition. These are the easiest cookies ever and super versatile. You can find the variations in the book. I'm not going to go into them now, but it's the best use of 
I think it's the best use of leftover egg whites there is. Anyway, I love these. I grew up eating them. I still make them. Many people I know make them. They're awesome. Anyway, coconut macaroons, you need three egg whites, a cup of sugar, and three cups of unsweetened, finely shredded coconut. Do not buy sweetened coconut. You can get this from Bob's. You can get it at a health food store. Supermarkets sometimes do not have shredded coconut that doesn't have sugar in it, so be careful about that. Teaspoon of vanilla extract. That's it, a pinch of salt. Heat the oven to 350 and line two baking sheets with parchment paper. All of these instructions are pretty explicit. This is not a super flexible, it's an easy recipe, but you got to do what I'm outlining here. So line two baking sheets with parchment paper, heat the oven to 350, lightly beat the egg whites with the sugar until they're frothy. I use a hand mixer for that. Then mix in the coconut just with a spoon. And when I say lightly beat the egg whites, I don't mean beat them till thick. I mean beat them until they're bubbly. Frothy is the right word. Mix in the coconut, the vanilla, and the salt until the coconut's evenly coated. I did say to beat the egg whites with the sugar, yes? Yeah. Then use your hands to make small mounds of the mixture, one to two tablespoons each, depending on how big these are. They're not going to grow much, if at all. Put them about an inch apart on the prepared sheets. You can, of course, if you like, pipe them. Bake until golden, which is usually about 15 minutes. Then cool the macaroons on wire racks for at least 30 minutes before you start eating them. They'll keep in an airtight container for three days. They will not last that long. Obviously, don't make these if you don't like coconut, but if you do, they are so awesome. All right, enjoy that. Well, that was fun. I want to thank the gifted actress and master crafter Sutton Foster for coming on the show. And of course, Kate Bittman for taking my place in this interview. She had way more fun and way more interesting questions than I would have. So this is an awesome situation. You can follow Sutton on Instagram at Sutton Lenore, S-U-T-T-O-N-L-E-N-O-R-E, Sutton Lenore. And Facebook at Sutton L. Foster, S-U-T-T-O-N-L Foster. Her book, Hooked, How Crafting Saved My Life, is available now. Folks, if you liked today's episode, and if you're still listening, I can assume that you did, then please subscribe to Food with Mark Bittman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen. It would be real helpful if you left us a five-star review on Apple, and detailed reviews are the best way for new listeners to discover the show. You can find the recipe from today's show in the episode show notes or at bitmanproject.com or at markbitman.com. They all kind of go to the same place. Finally, Food with Mark Bitman is a part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Check out Airwave's other shows at airwavemedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mark Bitman, and thanks again for listening to Food. See you next week. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.